Hi, it's Mike Edelhart, and I'm here with another edition of Inception, our podcast about beginnings, the beginnings of new companies, uh, new ideas in science, sometimes even a little look at the future. And this time, maybe even a little look at us. It's our second anniversary of doing Inception. And uh, we thought in honor of the occasion, we do something a little bit out of the ordinary. So I'm here today with uh, my partner, Emmy Gonzalez. We thought it might be fun for us just to chat a little bit about our mutual uh, experiences together and apart. So thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk about many things. <laughs> well, what are the many? So pick one. What among the many things you are excited to talk about? What's one that comes uh, immediately to mind? I think it's interesting for us to talk about perhaps just like how much the, the venture community has changed, right? Mike, you've been doing this for just a few years more longer than I have. And I think, you know, especially the past year or so, I think there's been a lot of changes in the venture community. You know, not a lot of people used to look like me. And I think now more than ever, things are changing. So maybe that's something we could talk about is, you know, just how much progress has been made yeah. in the venture community um, and that what that means as well to founders, which I think is really important. We do. We talk about a lot inside the fund that I'm an old, prosperous, techie, white guy. So I have the experience of an old, techie, prosperous, white guy. And, and we feel the future doesn't belong to us, the fund. We don't know. We don't have sway it belongs to the rising generation your generation the world's going to belong to you you win we die and we try to build that in as much as we can into the fund yeah i agree there haven't always been folks that look like you but you know again from my point of view more is the pity uh, both because of the diversity but also what a waste i mean you you know i i can you here, you just have to take it. But you've got huge talent. And if your huge talent weren't being put to work trying to understand what's going to happen to your generation as it takes over the planet, uh, what a waste. No, I agree. I agree. And I think, especially, you know, with the Gen Z population, with this movement towards founding more women, um, more women's health initiatives as well, more diverse options, right? So BPOC community. So I think that there's just so much so much that it can be done, but I think that the steps have been taken as a fund, right? Internally, we've had these conversations, you know, how can we collect and see everything that's out there, right? Not just, you know, the ones that are most visible. That's something that's really unique about our fund too, is that majority of us are also women. And so, and I think that we're taking, you know, the steps to really see where the future is going. I think the future is the younger population, right? The future is diversity. The future is the new generation. Yeah, we certainly try. And I do think it's not just us. I think it's others. But I also think it's it's rough. It's hard to get outside of uh, ingrained uh, prejudice. Uh, again, I'll, I'll date myself, but there's a, an incredible song, unsu- sort of surprisingly, in the Rodgers and Hammerstein musical, uh, South Pacific, called They Have to Be Carefully Taught. And there's a a thread of racism in that very sort of jolly, you know, I kind of wash that man right out of my hair kind of musical. But it's also about the fact that folks are locked in this racial view. And the point of that song is you're taught from when you're a baby 
about these views and how to look at the world in a certain way. And yeah, I think in our case, it's fun by being very data-driven, by you know always saying, well, what do the numbers say? What's actually going on? Not how do we feel, but just what is it saying to us? And we have to react to it. Talent is talent is talent. And uh, um, we're looking for great people. We're not looking for any particular type of great person and believe that lots of different views make better decisions as a group than a bunch of folks who all ratify one another's view. One copy of my view is enough. Six copies of my view is just going to start rubber stamping the same thing over and over again. Mm. And that doesn't produce the best decisions. No, I agree. I agree. And also we have like a very global perspective too, right? So, you know, myself here in Boston, but also from Colombia, and then we have people in the Europe, we have people in Asia. So I just think too, like that, in that perspective, I think it's just so important. That's what we always wanted here is it's that reflects, as you say, what the world is looking like and, and is going to look like in the future. And we're much more likely with that wide a, a range of views to challenge one another and come up with good decisions. You know, and, and I have to say, in your case in particular, right from the beginning, you've been uh, terrific at calling us on that. I mean, I remember when you first started, but you know, uh, you know a couple of years ago, now you only be here like six, eight weeks. Um, and it was one of these, I just got here, I don't know how anything works, but I'm bringing this incredibly uh, touchy subject into partner meeting and you're gonna listen or not, dudes. And it was great, it was startling, but it was great. I think it you know, wound up in, in really opening up some of these femtech categories because it was, I don't really matter what you think, what do you know, you're old white guy, let me tell you, this stuff is going to be valuable. It's, we listen, it turned out to be right. I think there too is that you'll listen, right? And I think that's so important is that I think being aware and cognizant of like limitations, right? But also then I think for me, just sticking to my guns, right? And I think like the femtech space has really gained traction, especially this past year, right? Now more than ever, there's more companies being focused in that. You know, I think that especially us, we've made a big initiative investing kind of in the femtech women's health side of things, right? Kind of really focusing on all aspects of it from beginning sexual health and wellness to fertility to menopause to pelvic health, kind of really that whole spectrum and life cycle of a woman. And now more than ever, you know, companies are, are, are coming up in that, in that field. And I think a lot of other people are now paying attention to that. And I think it's just so important because it's just been neglected for so long. Yeah, it, it has. And we talk at the fund a lot. Venture is sort of an unusual area. So if we were doing a hedge fund, we'd be all obsessed with numbers. What's actually happening out there? Currency movements, people's behaviors, emotional trends. Our hedges have to be based on something that isn't us. And if we were doing public market investing, we'd be doing the same thing that we're doing, uh, we're tracking cash flows or we're tracking uh, brand value or something that gives our investment solidity. And in venture, there's still a very great sense that, oh, we're, we're really clever and we'll figure it out. And for us, it was like, well, that's not good enough. Yeah, we're really clever, but we're probably wrong. So um, we have to externalize and keep asking ourselves, what are the 8 billion people on the planet doing? What do they care about? What motivates them? The millions of scientists around the world, what are they 
choosing to focus on where are they succeeding and then we have to respond to that because that's what matters and so with femtech it's not like oh we're going to be nice to the ladies it's oh my god look at this research basically the half the human population is talking and acting in a way that says we have had it and we look at that and we go half the population has decided they're going to change things they are that's something we have to recognize and respond to even if all of us aren't quite up with the program yet because it's not our program that's true and i think something that you said really important was that the science is there too right there's a lot of female scientists that are now you know doing incredible incredible science but also the science around like more female-centric indications are now increasing, right? So protection right. for ovarian cancer or different, you know, types of breast cancer or fertility, right? There's just so much more innovation and progress being done, I think, in the sciences as well. That us as a fund, we follow the science. And frankly, it just produces, in our view, and I think the funds are showing this, better uh, outcomes, but also uh, a more interesting, exciting, a high energy environment together. We've worked really hard. I've been in funds and I've been in a lot of funds where, you know, the partner meeting is the graybeards at the end of the table. They dominate the fund, they dominate the carry, they dominate the everything, they control the votes. And then there's this sort of waning power dynamic that goes down to the end of the table. And, you know, those juniors way down, they're going to have to wait years before they get any power. We set this fund up in conscious attempt to counter that us as a fund we value the voice of people we, we no matter right whether they're your managing partner you've been here for a day and like people that join the fund are told that from the very beginning and like that itself like that culture that we have that environment we have is so inspiring it's so invigorating it's so like it's just, it's truly incredible right and i think something that that's why I've enjoyed working here for so like so much is because of that aspect of our culture. Well, I'm glad to hear you say it. And frankly, I think if we weren't that way, you'd, you'd, you'd be gone. And if you felt that your skills weren't being uh, recognized and amplified, uh, you'd simply look for a place where they were. Yeah, I think the other thing, we talked about this some too, uh, I've been on a lot of these panels because we have a lot of female-led companies, because we have a lot of female team members, non-normative team members. I get it. It's not just male, female, all kinds of people. But it's not just about those particular factors. It's about how complex and interesting and uh, uh, unexpected the world is. So we have female founders not because, in some cases, not because they're female, but because they're 10-year engineers. And so it's that background that's amazing. And the femaleness of that particular person is part of it, but not all of it. And same thing with female scientists. It's more that here's a PhD, MD, emergency room, doctors without borders, human being who happens to be female. Uh, in many cases. And I think one of the things I'm most proud of in the fund is we have a lot of female backed led companies, but their character isn't womany. It's not all fashion. It's not all 
cosmetics. It's not those things that are sort of traditionally associated with women. They're all over the damn place. They're all different kinds of women. They're all different kinds of female entrepreneurs. They're all different kinds of entrepreneurs. And they produce all different kinds of companies and should. And we should let them. I think it's more just like previously known. There is definitely a stereotype of what a founder looks like. And I think that's, that's what's really important is like, do you have like the characteristics? And sometimes it's, it's almost as if it's not, it's not stigmatized. It's not as accessible, I think is the right word, to become a woman-led founder, right? And so I think like- Still not, by the way, the numbers still stink. And that's really a mystery. Exactly. And it's not, and as you said, it's not only woman, it's, you know, whatever you characterize yourself as and what orientation you are, what ethnicity, what religion. I mean, there's just like so many different aspects, right? And that don't fit the whole stereotypical uh, startup founder looks like. And so I think there is more a question of access. Entrepreneurs can come in all shapes, all sizes, right? In every single way. And I think yeah. that exposing that level of access and just really opening up the ability and the path to right. really help those founders succeed is what's going to create great companies on the line. I agree, absolutely. And that was another situation in this past year, right about the time COVID hit, maybe a little before, but we had a real Donnybrook. We, our team gets along by and large. There's a lot of mutual regard. I think we all like one another. We respect each other's background. But um, with some of the things that have been happening in the past year of Black Lives Matter and uh, LBGTQ issues in this kind of volatile political environment, we had a proper scrum inside the fund about what we should do about that or shouldn't do about it. And you are one of the folks who really, you know, were out there with the red banner, I think, in our conversations going, react or else. It's really important. And what that conversation did to me is it caused me to realize we too are getting a little smug that we have this system. We're looking everywhere. We're finding all these companies. And so we're aware of what's going on, but we aren't actually. We're looking at Harvard. We're looking at Stanford. We're looking at Entrepreneur First in Europe. We're looking at big universities. We're looking at folks that have access to jury panels. And we're looking at all kinds of signals from a rather narrow universe. But that's that fight that you led got me thinking, but are we actually looking everywhere? What if the next great entrepreneur is selling hip hop videos on the street in LA and we'll never find that person? What if that's a kid who was directed by family circumstances and expectations and all kinds of things into community college? We aren't looking there. We aren't even thinking about that. And how would we pick? So we've actually started that in the fund. We started forcibly looking where we haven't looked before. Yeah. And it's like that grit for me, like that's the most important part and like not giving up. I think there's so many levels that you can characterize someone as smart or someone, you know, talented or whatever. But I think for us, it's like, what's your grit? Like how how much do you want this? Right. And I think if you get bad enough, you'll be smart enough to figure it out. Well, and I, I think two things. You'll be smart enough to figure it out, but part of that means you'll be smart enough to figure out what's appropriate for you to figure out. Exactly, yeah. So, uh, you know, one great thing about entrepreneurs is they pick the right problem to solve. So there are some folks on earth who are here to cure cancer, and there are other folks here who are made to astound people, to do something. You never thought about it. You never would have wanted it if you hadn't seen it. I just showed it to you. I made you want it. And those are both great entrepreneurial types, but very different. And there are probably infinite number of 
entrepreneurial types in different cultures and situations. Uh, in the end, it's about getting the world to adjust itself to the possibilities you're bringing forward. So it's about change. And as you say, you have to be tough and enduring and in some ways kind of calm to bring about change because the world's in flux. And if you're in flux with it, everything's in flux and nobody knows what's going on. Yeah, no, I completely agree. But I just, I think that in itself is so, there's so much potential, right? It's just like, it's so wonderful, right? And I think that that for me is what keeps us moving forward and finding the best companies, the best entrepreneurs. And that doesn't mean to fit a certain type of profile or a certain box, right? It could be yeah. any, anything. So a year from now, we do this again. What do you hope we're talking about or that we've been able to accomplish between now and then? That we're no longer inside and we can uh, meet face to face. Um, we can meet, you know, in person. That would be something that's awesome. But I think just looking back and reflecting, right? Like, what did we change for the better due to COVID? Did we really say that what we were going to do, right? Did we invest in founders that are a little bit non-traditional? Did we invest in great companies that are really looking forward thinking? Did we invest in novel science? And I think for us, if we reflect on those points and see where we did well and where we failed ultimately, and then make a game plan on those failures to make them into successes, I think then that's we're doing your job. Sounds good to me. I think we have no choice but to end it there. Thanks. Great to see you. <laughs> Bye-bye.